This episode originally aired on January 13th, 2023 on the Unethical Patreon. Our client today was the hilarious and friend of the show, Bree Allen. Bree is also the one who started calling you Mr. Mackey. I started selling that one together. Yeah. <laughs> Does it feel better or worse that it doesn't bother me at all anymore now? <laughs> Can you solve the murder of Amber Hagerman? Oh, hey, Bree. Nice to see you. I haven't seen you in like six months. So this is how you treat you just walk in, like demand fucking us solving something. Well, that's how it rolls, right? You guys just do what I tell you to fucking do, isn't it? I guess so. As long as you have, what are you, Celeste right now? Come in here. You want money, don't you? Yes. Do you have money? Let's see the money. I've got doubloons. God damn it. Those are good. Richard, you, you acted like you eat doubloons when she said it. Is that where all of our doubloons have been going? It's one of his party tricks. Well, they come I've out. Seen it. They come out after and they go down the toilet. I know. We established you go in between my legs while I'm already on the toilet. So yeah. <laughs> I see them. I don't know what the word for that is, but we got to think of that. It's called getting our jade. Getting... <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, not... <laughs> let's workshop it. Okay. <laughs> No, that's perfect. We yeah. stick with yeah. that one. I get I get RJ weekly. <laughs> oh, how so? Please explain. <laughs> it's it's in the word. It's in the word. Why? I'm sorry. Why? How do you get RJ when it's happening to me? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, globally. Every time I listen to the podcast, I get RJ. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Well, we could definitely solve this Amber Hagerman business. I've been researching it for months. I know everything about it, so. Fantastic. You could stick around and help us solve it. You know, that's what we'd like to do around here. Well, you're lucky my schedule's clear. Solve your own case, 25% off. Hey, I like a good deal. <laughs> this is like one of those Black Friday deals where it was like never. Fucking <laughs> racist. Like the same price, you just put minus 25% on it. Exactly. Yeah, that's yeah, what our price is. Good business model. An elite team of private detectives. What if balloons are aliens? Like maybe that's the key component we're missing. Cover-ups. John's guilty. Mysteries that need to be solved. Maybe Mormons need mountains. Richard, shut up. Just, I'm sorry, but just the sound of your voice alone right now is killing me on the inside. I'm just, <laughs> I'm dying. The fact oh, that your mouth is good. moving and like this is live and I'm like, he's, he's here with me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it does bother cool. you. I know it bothers you because when I said it, you saw I saw the disdain just wipe over your face as you <laughs> pretended it didn't. It was great. <laughs> and feel free to tell Brie to fuck off. It's don't worry, she'll be happy. Oh, She's fine. On a regular basis, yeah. She's oh, fine. This, this fantastic. Um, Somehow it feels like the ultimate power move is to not acknowledge that she's here. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> Most people try to do that, but I'm kind of explode into a room. I think you can. can... Can you mute individual participants? <laughs> I most Only certainly can, but I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been in a room with this many dicks. <laughs> That's a lie. I believe that. Yeah, none of us believe that. <laughs> You have four kids, Bree. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So she's only, been, she's only been in rooms with three or four plus dicks. Like that's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, it's so few This, this yeah. low, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this episode is going to come out on January 13th on Patreon. And that's actually like a, a I, I was a coincidence for this entire episode. 
because the bad thing happens on that day 27 years ago specifically so i gotta i gotta mention that now so i remember when it comes up i say that's exactly 27 years ago that's cute and fun yeah it's it's one of those like is it really fun though <laughs> it's kind of sad uh this is a very sad episode i challenge all of us to make this funny because <laughs> uh i don't know if it is careful what you wish for i i go i put it this way what i'm basically <laughs> what i'm saying rj is go hard i don't mind <laughs> i didn't need your consent you never have before <laughs> what i'm saying is do it <laughs> please <laughs> done thank you uh it's about an unsolved kidnapping and murder of a nine-year-old girl named amber hagerman is that where amber alert comes from that is where the amber alert comes from and it also brings the national sex offender registry in the states as well so mm, okay. thank you i guess um you're welcome amber renee hagerman was born on november 25th 1986 to parents richard hagerman and Donna Whitson, they live in, or lived, I guess, I don't know if they still live there, I think they do, in Arlington, Texas, which is uh, actually kind of a big place. I thought it was smaller than what it was, but it's 390 some million, or million people, so, or not million, thousand people, so 390 some million people, that's fucking huge. <laughs> it's the biggest city in the world. Yeah, well, Texas is its own fucking country, like, yeah, it's, it's big massive um yeah this girl looks like she's from texas <laughs> you're actually doing fucking research god damn it i just wanted to drink I, no i just you, you immediately google when richard finally tells us what it is i kind of like to not tell them because it's more fun well yeah i mean it helps uh my juices flow when i'm uh okay <laughs> now we're talking not my pedophile juices just... <laughs> She looks like a girl you from save Texas. Save those for later, eh? It's, you yeah. said that properly. You didn't say it weird enough. You didn't say it like that. Looks like a girl from Texas. Do you think pedophiles refer to their erections as Amber Alerts? Has that been uh, done before? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like that bit's been done before. Someone's uh, done that. Has it been done here? I tried to look up. Like I usually look up like who's from Arlington, and not too many people, famous people, are actually from Arlington. Our boy Joe Exotic is from Arlington, so that's who oh, I got. Fucking right. Our boy Joe. Yes. Are we still on Team Joe? Fuck Carol always. Baskin. Always have been. Always will be. I'm bored of him, but if he does something uh, violent or insane to become relevant again, yes, I will be. <laughs> if he broke out of prison, would you be watching again? Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, but it would have to be like horrible. Like he'd have to like lose an arm doing it or something. It's got to be like Joe Exoticy, where he like he gets a prison shank and he's videotaping himself shanking pictures of Carol Baskin. I would, I would watch that. Like him in prison, come on. I bet you if they filmed him in prison, it would be awesome. Without question. They should have been doing that, that fucking from the get-go. There should have never been a, a Tiger King 2. There should have never been whatever dumb movie they're making. It should have just been the Joe Exotic reality show. Like Joe gets uh, Lucky Charms from the commissary. Like I would watch that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, for sure. And just like the mindless conversation he's annoying everybody with trying to get these. I would watch that. I would uh, definitely. Mm -hmm. These remind me of tigers. Oh, fuck. They rem everything reminds you of tigers, Joe. They're, they're lucky. Like I had a, two tigers named Lucky. I, I sold them for their pelts. <laughs> what if he's like, he, because he's just like, well, I'm so good with caged animals that I've actually <laughs> trained all the prisoners. 
He's yeah. just like an army of prisoners. That... They just redo Tiger King the first season, but just hit, instead of animals, it's prison people. And he just redoes all the scenes. Like when he's in the cage with the one that like bites yeah. him back, it's just that scene again, but just like a big black guy just fucking him up. Hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's just like doing like playful wrestling and getting his ear bit off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> he's feeling frisky tonight. <laughs> I'm never going to financially recover from this. Just a broken cigarette pack. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, when Richard and Donna had Amber, Richard was very much older than Donna. Like, he was like 35, I think, or something. She was 19. So it was one of those weird relationships. I like how another dick's involved. Yeah, there's there's actually a couple couple dicks in this story. Oh, fantastic. We're, we're getting to Brie numbers. Speaking my language, buddy. Yeah, we're at four dicks so far. <laughs> nice. Amber is not their only child. In 1990, her and Richard, or Donna and Richard, have another child, Richard Jr., who went by the name Ricky. Dick Jr.? Yeah, they keep they don't call him Richard Jr., they just keep calling him Ricky, which I'm just guessing he's an RJ, because I don't think kids are named Ricky. Like, imagine you just named your son Ricky instead of, like, Richard. That's fucking funny to me. Yeah, I've seen people do that, though. That's, that's some top S-tier white trash shit, though. Like, name kids, nick their nickname. I know a female named Ricky. Yeah, that's very white trash, too. That's actually mm-hmm. exceptionally white trash. You got, so, like, <laughs> I'll let her know. Name, their, their only name is the nickname, and it's a male name, and it's a girl. That's a meth habit. That's what that is. So should I say now, Richard, my daughters are Andy and Stevie. You're welcome. Yeah, that fucking. If the twins were girls, it would have been Ricky and Charlie. They're going to come right out of high school onto a pole. Yes. (laughs) At least they'll be making good money. Ricky, little Ricky running around too. He exists. Uh, Amber and Ricky had like a very close relationship. She was like, like her, his little second mom. You know, it's a little weird. There's there's video of it. You'll we'll show some. Maybe I won't show any of the Ricky videos, but it just trust me. Put it this way: me and my brother were not like that as kids. We fought with each other. My mm-hmm. kids fight with each other. These two little kids love each other. It's weird. They should have fought. They should have been fighting more. Something's wrong. Well, okay, but was that like described after the fact? Because no one's gonna be like her brother fucking hated her. Maybe it was her brother hated fucking her, and that was abnormal in Texas then. Because they're incestuous. After Ricky was born, her Donna and Richard, their relationship soured. And that's what it says in the documentary that I'll talk about a lot in this, that their relationship soured. But then you look more deep into it. It says that he was abusive. I don't know what abusive means. Like, I don't know if that means like he used to yell at her or if he beat the shit out of her. But she ends up leaving him and she moves into a women's shelter. Uh, this is 1991, I believe, or 92. She doesn't stay there long. She gets her own apartment a couple months later. Like I said, Arlington has a population of 395,000 now. But in the 90s, it was a little bit less. Still a pretty big place. Um, but it was good because she, when she would go to her apartment, she moved to a place that was close to her parents' house, which is about 10 minutes away from there. Her parents' names are Glenda and Jimmy Whitman. And I know from having kids and Brie knows this, that having your parents live 10 minutes away from you is amazing when you have children, especially if you're a single mom like that. It's very helpful. During my single mom stages, it was very, very helpful, especially the fact that I could move into their basement. That helped too. So having your parents close by was good for her. Donna dropped out of school at in grade seven from the seventh grade or whatever Americans say. We say grade seven. You guys say seventh grade, right? America? Yeah, it sounds like our seventh grade is better than your grade seven. 
Yeah, that's true. It's, it's a Probably. way more satisfying way to speak. <laughs> but Donna dropped out in grade seven. And without any type of education, not even a high school diploma, it was hard for Donna to get a job that she could just afford life with kids. So like I said, having her parents close by was really helpful. She was on welfare and she scraped by the best she could. Donna went back to school eventually. She earned a degree. She volunteered at a local welfare office. And you see in like the documentary, her what her job was, it was like in the 90s, like early 90s. And she like just had a big bunch of stacks of paper that would like move quickly from like a stacking machine. She just stamped. Wow. The inefficiencies of before computers, like literally just stamping a stamp for eight hours straight. Who the fuck <laughs> volunteers at the welfare office? Somebody wants to make sure their welfare check comes. <laughs> She's stamping her own fucking welfare check signatures. That's that's very funny. <laughs> She eventually got into an on-the-job training program for medical assistance. She's trying to get off welfare. So for eight weeks during the fall of 1995, Donna and her family were followed around by a camera crew from WFAA8, a Dallas news channel, who were filming a documentary called From Welfare to Work. I think the way I understand it, it was like episodic. So like they'd follow a family around for eight weeks and then do an episode on each of them sporadically it wasn't just specifically solely about her they wanted to chronicle people who pulled themselves up from their bootstraps and got off welfare so don and her family were chosen to be one of the subjects the crew from wfaa basically lived with donna and her family for eight weeks straight so that's a pretty long time to be around and the footage is out there the reporter's name was pam curry and her cameramen were paul pariso and john doty those were the three with her most of the time they shattered her in her everyday life and they got so much footage of donna and her kids and some very personal moments this is why i'm saying there's footage of the two kids hanging out on camera liking each other yeah weird it is weird the crew and family got close over those eight weeks and became very comfortable with each other they get sad moments of donna explaining how hard it is to get by on welfare you get motivational moments where you see donna volunteering at the welfare office you get your hope dash when donna's car breaks down while she's trying to get to her first day of her medical assistant training to get her hope back when you see donna make it to her first training day at the nick of time they got a lot of things they would have made a good episode you get to see amber's birthday party her, her ninth birthday party Seeing her being elated when she gets her birthday presents, which was like a sheet, like a Pocahontas sheet. And she's like so pumped about it, but her mom doesn't have lots of money. So just before Christmas 1995, the WFAA crew wraps up filming of the documentary and they head on over. This episode has a happy ending where Donna seems to be turning her life around for her kids because she starts that medical training thing. So the episode's to air not long after mid-January in 1996. Christmas 1995, nine-year-old Amber and five-year-old Ricky both get bicycles. Uh, Amber's was a cute pink one, and as soon as she saw it, it became her most prized possession. I think Donna's parents bought the kids the bikes because that's where the bikes were kept, at her parents' house. So if the kids wanted to go visit grandma and grandpa, they would be able to play with their bikes. So probably be a way to get the kids over there more often. And they're probably there all the time anyway with Donna working. So probably the best place for it. So for the next couple of weeks, kids are always at grandma and grandpa's. And on January 13th, 1996, was one of those days. It was a beautiful Saturday, and Donna wanted to take advantage of the nice day. So she took the little ones to Burger King for lunch. And after that, the plan was to go ahead to her parents' house so the kids could see their grandparents, but more importantly, play with their bikes. And they get there around 3 p.m., 
and all the kids wanted to do was play with their bikes. I've got kids. I remember when my kids were that old, if they had something at grandma and grandpa's house, they'd be like, hi, grandma. Hi, grandpa. Can I play with the thing? <laughs> so that's what they did. Basically, they get hi, grandma. Hi, grandpa. Where's the bikes? Nice. You're so good to your parents. I am. Yeah. 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 Just. Oh, yeah. It's great. They live so close. They're just fucking free. Anytime babysitters. I uh, I just buy shit and leave it at their house so the kids can pretend to be excited to go over there. <laughs> I love my mom and dad. They bought it for themselves so the kids would go over there. Oh, so they have to bribe them just to be able to see that yeah. when you're not just dumping them on them. Yeah, pretty much. Cool. Yeah, pretty much. Ricky and Amber get out of the car, basically say hi to their grandparents and immediately want to go ride the bike. The two kids love taking bike rides together. And since they didn't have their bikes all the time, it was their main focus when arriving at the grandparents' house. So Donna tells them, yes, you can go on your bikes, no problem, but don't go too far. You can go up uh, around the block once, make sure to stay together. Come right back. The kids agree, but Amber decides to bend the rules and go a bit further than just around the block. This would be the last time Donna would ever see her kid alive. Someone should have alerted Amber that that was a poor decision. <laughs> She's Jesus. nine. A couple blocks up from their grandma's house. I think it's a, I didn't look up the fucking conversion. I should have. It's a two or three tenths of a mile. They kept saying that. I was like, what the fuck is three tenths of a mile? Anyways, three tenths of a mile away. There was an abandoned Winn-Dixie grocery store and it had a big parking lot and it had like a ramp in the back of it, like, like an old loading dock ramp. It was their like cool ramp. Neighborhood kids would go there and like do bike tricks off the ramp, I guess. So being nine and immature, Amber tells Ricky that they're going to go to that spot for a bit. They went up and down the ramp a few times and Ricky got a bit scared of getting in trouble. So he turned around to go back to grandma and grandpa's. Amber didn't want to leave just yet. So she says, go back without me. This would be the last time Ricky would see his older sister alive. There's fucking two rules. I'm just going to say this. This is typical children, by the way. Fucking two rules. They broke both of them. Stay together. Don't go far. <laughs> they broke both of them quickly. Yeah. For all of our audience under 18, this is a good learning lesson not to ever do that. <laughs> since, since I know we have a lot, a lot of listeners in, in early pre-K. Well, it's a fucking dead giveaway when one kid comes back and the other one doesn't. Well, now the other kids for sure and shit. Like, you, there's no, you're a jet. Sorry. Your brother came back without you? Oh, well. I guarantee Ricky, when he went back to his grandparents, if, if uh, my kids are any indication what happened, he ratted her out immediately. Oh, 100%. Yeah, he ran right to mom and dad and grandma and grandpa like, she didn't want to come back and she went too far. Amber's not I listening. told her not to. Exactly. Guaranteed. <laughs> Guaranteed. He was probably pumped yep. to do it, right? Oh, uh, yeah. you kids suck. How many kids do you hang out with, RJ? Me? Lots. I'm the coolest kid on the playground. <laughs> That's why I don't do shit like that. I never have. That's why he's not allowed within 100 feet of a playground now. You know, that's what happens. I step out there and, and that's, that's why they put the Amber Alert out because it's like, hey, some shit's about to go down. This guy's so fucking cool. You're not going to be able to handle it. <laughs> Better go to the park where that Amber Alert went off. Yeah. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. You just know you're going to see some cool shit. I'm going to like go super high on the swing. I'm going to go down the slide head first. <laughs> fucking name it pal i'm gonna do magic i'm gonna make like something disappear no magic's lame we don't do any magic that's true okay well that. that's why i'm not the cool kid at the park exactly exactly yeah okay what were you saying rick sorry i cut you off rj's assuming there's kids that aren't little selfish bricks so uh i was just wondering how many kids you hung out with i didn't say nothing about self being selfish is how i got to be the coolest kid man right <laughs> i'm talking about I'm talking about being weak and spineless and, and you know, making the cardinal kids sin, tattletaling. 
<laughs> when on your brother or sister, come on. You never had, did you have age group close to you siblings or they're all super far away, right? RJ? No, no, my, no. My sister's like three years younger than me. And you guys are like super cool. Never ratted on her once or she never tattletailed on you. That's horseshit. Look, I, I'm saying, no, we're not cool. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. She, yeah, she tattled on me for shit I didn't even do. Okay, <laughs> that's the younger brother. But no one said she was the coolest kid. All right, they don't set out amber alerts about her at the playground. All right. <laughs> all right, Rick, what were you saying? Sorry. So, do we know what changed in 1996 that all of a sudden they gave a shit about children and decided, oh, we're gonna, you know, create a system to track them? Because there's no way that she was the first one to be. Put it this way, I, I will say the police did a fucking phenomenal job on this, but we'll talk about it in a bit. Uh, I, I honestly, I, I doubt usually I will. I'm not on the, I'm not a police apologist this year. They were on it pretty much right away. So Ricky heads back home. So his parents tell Ricky, go get your sister. Tell her to come back. You can't leave her like that. So he said, they send the five-year-old back, which I find like, Jesus Christ. He gets back there. He doesn't know where his sister is. He can't see her. He's probably a little confused. I don't know if he's worried at this point because he is only five. Like I know later in life, he says he was really confused at the time. And I know a little bit after all this stuff happens, he is acts out and stuff. So I know he, he had affected him, but I don't know if at this point he even understands he should be worried. Nah, he gets it. He's just embarrassed how uncool he is. <laughs> Spineless. Yeah. So he, he tells, he gets back again and he goes, <laughs> I don't know where Amber is grandma grandpa mom i have no fucking clue he doesn't say fucking probably maybe he does no he's not cool probably you know he's not cool no, he's not, not cool no yeah. no he he's all me. like oh, oh, i just lost my first teeth <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he doesn't know where amber is so grandpa jimmy gets in his truck and heads to the parking lot looking for amber when he gets to the parking lot he doesn't find amber but he does find a police car waiting there so Jimmy approaches the officer to ask him if he'd seen a little girl on a bicycle, pink bicycle. The officer tells Jimmy that he's actually there responding to a call, a 911 call that was just placed minutes ago regarding a possible child abduction. Then the officer shows Jimmy a cute little pink bike and Jimmy confirms that was Amber's prized possession. The Winn-Dixie parking lot had a few other stores located around it. There's a window tending place that was visible to where that was. And there was also a laundromat. Okay. No, now, now I'll say something. Cause I yeah. was just waiting to see what other details you had. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like the most violent place you could possibly be. Yeah. <laughs> a closed down Winn-Dixie supermarket parking lot <laughs> with a window tinting place and a laundromat nearby. Yeah. But don't worry. Now, it, now it has the puff monkey smoke shop. <laughs> so much better because there's no there's no statutory rapists going into vape shops excuse me working and operating them owner operator yeah uh yeah because you can't give smokes to kids but you can give them vapes behind mm -hmm. the Win dixie parking lot sharing is caring in the other direction there's a bunch of houses and they have uh, houses that faced the parking lot, like windows that face the parking lot. And in one of these houses, a guy named Jimmy Cavill, Kevill. he's a 78-year-old retired machinist. Two Jimmys in this episode is going to get confusing. Jimmy the grandpa and Jimmy this guy. So I'm calling this guy Cavell. Why not just Grandpa Jimmy? We can do Grandpa and Jimmy. That works too. Grandpa well, no, Jimmy. Call, call the guy Cavell Grandpa Jimmy. 
and then call call the other guy Cavill. Okay, so Grandpa yeah, Jimmy and Cavill, we could do that. Yeah, yeah, call the Grandpa Cavill, and then Cavill Grandpa Jimmy. No, that'll get real. You're already confusing me now, just thinking about what you just said. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's easy. It's easy. <laughs> Anyways, Cavill, not the Grandpa. Now you're fucking confused the whole thing. <laughs> <Cavill>. <laughs> You, you, you knew what I was gonna say before I even said yeah. it. <laughs> Cavill was he was like I guess working on his car in his garage. He's the one who called nine one one. He noticed a young girl on a pink bicycle riding up and down the ramp, and he thought, "What a cute little girl! Doesn't have a care in the world." And then around three oh five, he notices a black pickup drive into the parking lot and park at the end of the ramp. Then he notices the driver of the pickup get out of the vehicle, leaving the driver's side door open. The driver of the truck then runs up behind Amber while she's riding her bike, grabs her from underneath the arms, lifting her right off the bike. The bike falls who, beneath. Her, sorry. Who saw this? Jimmy Cavill, you fucking. <laughs> no, 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 no. I didn't realize. I, thought, I, I got confused. I thought we were like spinning a theory now. I no. got it, though. Her grandfather saw this happen. Not the grandfather! <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually at a loss, but I'll I'll figure it out along the way. What do you mean you're lost? You're CIA. You I'm not I'm not sure which is which. I, I don't know which one is the grandpa. Is was the grandpa the witness, the guy that saw this? No. Or the, no. It's just a guy who lives in the fucking house. So who is Grandpa Cavill? I, I hate you so much. Nobody! <laughs> I hate RJ so much. There's right no <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So there's no grandpa Cavill? No, there's no grandpa Cavill. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I got it. Okay. Grandpa, Take another grand, sip of whiskey and off we a go. Grandpa, there's a grandpa Jimmy. Yes, there's a grandpa Jimmy. Yeah, it's grandpa, it's grandpa Jimmy Cavill. Okay, so Cavill and Grandpa Jimmy. Got it. Cavill Cavill is not Grandpa Jimmy. Cavill is not Grandpa Jimmy. No, I didn't say I said there's Cavill and Grandpa Jimmy. Thank you. Yes. That's what I said. Okay. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so happy right now. <laughs> He's screaming at me when I'm, I'm trying to agree Not you, him, I'm screaming I'm getting, at this asshole. Then I'm getting really confused. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the driver of the truck runs up to Amber from behind while she's riding her bike, grab her from under her arms, lift her right off the bike. The bike falls beneath her and he carries her back to the truck and shoved her into the driver's side door of the truck. He said that Amber was kicking and screaming as he was doing this. Then the driver got back into his truck and drove off. Cavell describes the driver as 20 to 30 years old with black hair. Under six feet tall with a medium build, could be white or Hispanic. You know this guy is was white, Cavill, and he's 78 years old in the 90s. He was definitely a white guy, but the 78-year-old guy just threw Hispanic in there because Cavill was 78. Oh, for f I, I don't know if the guy was was being racist or if the guy was kind of just covering all of his bases because there's predominantly Mexican heritage in Arlington, Texas, and Texas as a whole. I mean, especially if you look at all of the the I shops agree. around the area, it's like just a cultural thing. I'm just saying 70-year-old guy just throwing Hispanic in there probably was just him hoping it was Hispanic guy or assuming it was a Hispanic guy, but it could have been. That's a part of this after anyway, so it could be for sure. The truck was described as a black full-size pickup from either the 80s or 90s with no damage that Cavill can notice. A single cab with a rear window that which didn't look like it could be opened in any way, didn't have those like sliding windows. Uh, Cavell thinks the truck could have been a Ford, but the authorities can't be sure. 
except it was an American-made pickup because you hear that American-made all the time. But Cavell did say it was a Ford. He said it was bigger than like the smaller trucks, like a Ranger, but it wasn't like a huge F three fifty or anything like that. So yeah, yeah, he made a point of being like, but not not as big as my truck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pretty big, but I wouldn't buy it. But yeah. it's a good one. <laughs> Anyways, an F one fifty or whatever is basically he's describing. That's like a very nondescript description of a truck. It's not really helpful in Texas, I would imagine. Um, well, none of them need it. Oh, you mean I thought you meant the truck isn't helpful. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so Cavill also says, Cavill, Cavill, Jimmy Cavill, also said that... Good old Jimmy Grandpa Cavill. Yes. <laughs> he also said that he thought the truck was the same truck that he'd seen about 45 minutes earlier parked near the laundromat. Oh, that's just fucking convenient for a witness to know all of that. Yeah. And a Mexican at a laundromat. Are you are you questioning the fact that Mexicans go to laundromats? Is that what that was? <laughs> no, I'm questioning the fact that this guy's like... Not only did he see it happen, saw the truck, supposedly saw what the guy looked like, knew it was her immediately. He also was watching the truck as it was sitting there. Like, what the fuck does this guy do all day? He just sits there and stares out the window. 78-year-old man. So he's the fucking creep. (laughs) Oh, so yes. Yeah. Just bored as fuck. This is what they do. No, that's their whole fucking deal. Listen, this is what I do in whole tire, okay? I sit here and I watch every car that goes by and I'm like... I haven't yeah. seen that one before. Who are you? And what are you doing on my street? That must be fun when you do that every six hours. It is. So, yeah, he said that uh, maybe using the laundromat or maybe just sitting there waiting to pick up a kid in that popular place where the kids hang out. That's another, like, maybe that's why that guy was there for 45 minutes before. After the abduction, as the truck was exiting the parking lot, Cavill then saw the truck hesitate for a few minutes. Like as if he was like, shut the fuck up or I'll kill you or something like that. He sit at the exit to the parking lot without actually going anywhere. And then he headed west towards downtown Arlington. That's when Cavell rushes to back to his house, calls 911 to report what he thinks was a kidnapping. The 911 call is placed at 3.18 p.m., just minutes after Ricky left after finding his sister missing. Uh, the kids left their grandparents at like 3.10, so it only took eight minutes from leaving their parents view to the girl going missing that's terrifying midday terrifying okay but let's be real here the amount of times i've had to drag my children out of whatever the hell circumstance that they've got themselves into and they've been kicking and screaming and everything i should have had the police called on me probably over a dozen times for child (laughs) abduction that uh, fair that guy that's the criteria that Warrant. Put it this way. I don't think that guy would have called 911. Well, maybe he would have. I don't think that guy would have called 911 had he not seen that truck sitting there for 45 minutes before those kids showed up. Right. You know, uh, I and, and plus the guy ran up like you're with the kids the whole time, Bree. This guy drove up behind them, opened up a truck door, grabbed her, <laughs> and then chucked her in, left the bike there. There's it's a little bit of a different situation. It's a little scary. Well, that's that's how I pick up my nieces from school. It's very quick and efficient. <laughs> Get in the fucking truck. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't make any noise. You just come in and then you want them to be quiet. So you wrap your hand around their mouth from behind them because <laughs> they're going to be startled by your efficiency. They're, you know, you're cool and efficient. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. You don't want them screaming out. God, this is so fast and well done. <laughs> I feel like that sentence is yelled at you often by children. <laughs> you're the cool guy. The investigation into the kidnapping of Amber began immediately, eight minutes in. The Arlington police got the Texas Rangers and the FBI involved. 
they're working 24 hours a day to find this girl from 318 on. The Dallas Police Department got their sex crimes unit involved within the first 12 hours. And they sent over all the information they had about child sex offenders in the area. Imagine being the parents and, and finding that out within 12 hours of your kid missing. Like, that is going to be... <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's fucked up, dude. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, why, why them? <laughs> dude, I don't even, like, I try to, like, picture this, and I can't even fathom how fucked you'd be. Like, this is the 90s, too. There's no internet. So somebody get, had that in file folders couriered over. You know what I mean? Like... There's just so much to it. It's just so fucked up. It's so fucked up. Like, I don't know if they made copies. How long do they have to wait? Did they, did they just give the original files they, or do they have they them on prob- hand? They probably faxed it. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I feel like it's faster to just drive a big stack of files than like sit on a fax machine. They're like, Bush! yeah, Bush! But it's, it's Texas. So the smallest car is like a, a, a semi that gets five miles to the gallon. That's true. It's, it's just more efficient, you know? <laughs> You're all about efficiency today. I like it. Oh hell yeah, dude! That's you, look. You don't be the coolest kid on the pra- playground without <laughs> you know, finding the easiest the path of least resistance to get there, and which puts up less resistance than children. <laughs> Listen, I just want to say I'm starting to smell a conspiracy here because Amber Alerts didn't exist until this happened, and then all of a sudden, AT and T comes in and puts up a stadium less than a mile away from where this happened for the Cowboys. Nah, something doesn't smell right here. The Cowboys always played in Arlington, though. But they didn't have the stadium there until 2009. For the next three days, police canvassed all the houses in the area, combed over all the child sex offender files that the Dallas police sent over, and boloed the black truck. Posters were made, photos of Amber were given to local media outlets, anything they could do to find this girl. Amber's family and friends spent hours postering the city, handing out flyers, looking for potential witnesses. The four foot seven, 80 pound girl with red hair could be found nowhere. But the day she went missing, her hair was up in a ponytail. She was wearing a light gray t-shirt with a colorful hand prints on it, pink pants and brown suede shoes. Amber and her family went on TV that night, the first night to ask for any witnesses to come forward and to plead to the kidnapper to bring their daughter back. Her father, Richard, was especially shook because this wasn't the first time a child in his life was kidnapped. What? In 1991, Richard's two-day-old granddaughter was kidnapped from the hospital by a woman claiming to be the hospital photographer. The woman was caught and the baby returned within 11 hours. But man, oh fucking man, as if that guy had two kidnappings. Fuck. That's cool. Makes him look suspicious to me. That's all. Oh, yeah. He dresses up as a lady, not photographer, (laughs) to steal his own granddaughter for 11 hours. The first time was a real kidnapping, right? Yeah. But then he's just, it's like doing heroin, you know? You just like, oh, that energy. So that he had to kidnap someone else to have that feeling again, you know? That fucking guy, the Stephen Avery method. Yeah. There's a shit ton of police work going on. These cops are actually doing a great job. They have like an entire task force of 15 people in like three different agencies. After all the police work and getting information about Amber, within a few days, everyone knew about the little girl getting snatched off her pink bike while kicking and screaming. I don't know if the story went national at this point yet, but it was definitely in the Arlington, Fort Worth, Texas area. Less than a week after the abduction was when the From Welfare to Work episode featuring Donna and her family was supposed to air. So... When the producers heard about Amber's abduction, WFAA decided to postpone the episode until there was some advancement in the case. Let's just say the episode never aired. WFAA did, however, 
let any other media outlet use the footage to help spread the word about Amber's disappearance. So that actually, I think that's when this story went national because having a little picture of a little girl is one thing, but having like a video of a little girl blowing out her candles on her ninth birthday saying this girl went missing two months after her birthday is a lot more heart-wrenching. Gets you right in the boo-boo. That would be yeah. such fucking, like, ballsy production, though, to, like, just, like, put it in as a little blurb at the end of the episode. <laughs> like, like that. Like, just be like, oh, yeah, Amber, months after this episode was filmed, Amber went missing, and there are no leads. Credit. I, yeah, yeah. I think it would be funnier if it did the opposite. They gave all the footage, but they went, like, see this footage and more next week on From Welfare to Work, featuring Donna's family. <laughs> They're yeah. just, like, trying to pump the episode that's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I think that's when the case they went national when they started handing out I'm the sorry. Party. Just From Welfare to Work is the name of the show. Yeah. <laughs> from Welfare to Work is the name of the reality. They just really wanted to put it out there. We live in a dystopia, folks. It's... Yeah. All of the jokes that you see in, in the movies and TV that you watch are real. Yeah, it's it's sad. Donna, Richard, Jimmy, and Glenda start to use the media to get the word out as well. Like I said earlier, they did many interviews in the first few days. Within the first day of Amber going missing, the family invited the WFAA film crew back to the house to film everything as it unfolded. Pam Curry and crew got quite close with Donna over that eight weeks, like I said. And she was happy to try and help Donna spread the word of Amber being missing. So they filmed the whole family within hours of Amber going missing. They filmed like the family watching the news, waiting by the phone, uh, hoping to hear more answers. Wow. I, I see a lot of criticism for like, come back here, film us now that we're sad. I don't know if, if Pam Curry reached out to them. Like, I don't know if it was which side of it was. Seems a little ghoulish to me anyway, but still kind of genius at the same time you know eh, it's got two sides to it right There's yeah the side where you're like you kind of get the promotion so it's like you know you're putting your face out there more you know you're making a bigger deal out of it which is awesome but then at the other side you're like well is this really the time to be filming all this shit they should have said that they had uh footage of her naked and then whoever called the number to to get it oh see that would have that would actually yeah. done it yeah i mean like hey for more sexy photos of Amber. <laughs> <laughs> it's like setting up a fucking thirst trap for a yeah. goddamn yeah animal. yeah yeah dude that's what all the fbi agents do did i ever tell you the story about how i worked with a comic in michigan who got a uh, fucking caught in an fbi sting no the way it worked is that the fbi agent was texting him like someone who was in the life and like had kids that they were like selling into that okay type of deal yeah yeah, yeah. so they just like they already do that i mean Wait, wait, and he accepted yeah, and tried yeah, to buy a kid? Oh, yeah, or what? yeah, he, uh, he reciprocated and was like, oh, yeah, I'm totally down. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, oh I'm showing God. a legally eager willingness to do this, a convictable <laughs> level of willingness. <laughs> what the oh, fuck? God. Yeah, Charles but, Ellis, you can look him up. I will after. Well, all of us, all of the audience. So, yeah, Pam Curry's footage of Don and her family getting them more and more time on the air was good for helping them get the attention of Arlington in the form of vigils and enormous volunteer searches that I think that's a good thing. Cause if they didn't call Pam Curry, I don't think it would hit national or international like it did. So yeah. Uh, Arlington residents were even showing up on mass uh, to city council meetings after this to demand answers to where the little Amber had been taken and also to express their feelings that someone is still out there doing this. There's a lot of footage of that shit out there. 
little girl being like, this is really hard on us. I don't want to be inside all the time. Like, Jesus Christ. The first three days, there were over 3,000 tips that came in, all vetted and cleared. They only had one piece of evidence, one witness, old Grandpa Jimmy. No, Jimmy Cavill. Cavill. <laughs> That's the only piece of evidence they had. So just like a side note, you know what really bothers me? I don't know why I'm on Google Maps doing this, but I was just looking at the, the condition of the, the scene of like after the years to see like what's there and they have like you know like a mural and stuff like that and a statue but and almost like every other homeowner right across the street owns a black yeah. american truck it's in solidarity to amber yeah something something like that yeah you know texas dude that's their number one hobby let's obfuscate investigations into finding missing persons cases it's like it's like <laughs> high school football and then fucking up finding little girls who went missing it's a great job. A good job uh i'm glad you're looking up the colors of the vehicles and the... <laughs> this will help us i'm sure okay yeah, so yeah. he's gonna be like uh what kind of rubber was in the tire tread of the ford well listen how many people are just gonna be sitting next to an abandoned city like it wasn't even next to a park there's a park nearby that this dude could have been scoping out it was just scoping out this fucking random ramp like, it had to be someone from the area. Like, why is the dude just chilling there? Must have been someone from the area for sure. Trigger warning here, I guess. Trigger warning. 11.41 p.m. January 17th, the call came in to Arlington Police that a body had been found behind an apartment complex about five miles or eight kilometers north of the Winn-Dixie parking lot where Amber had been abducted. A resident named Stuart Coker had been walking his dog at the nearby park. His dog kept running back and forth in an agitated manner near the creek that ran along the side of the complex in a little ravine behind the park. Cocker looked down towards the creek and saw something white that stuck out in the dark. At first, Cocker didn't know what he was looking at, so he got closer to investigate. As he approached, he realized what the white was. It was the pale skin of a dead body in an unnamed creek the resident yelled for help and other residents of the complex called 911 the police arrived on scene and found that it was the body of a little girl laying face down in the creek bed just beside the drainage culvert the little girl was nude except for a single sock on her right foot other than that there wasn't really lots of evidence at the scene there'd been a few considerable storms the few days that amber was missing and that would have filled that little creek with water that could have done a few things. It would have first thing it would have done was most likely moved her downstream to where the culvert was. And it also made any physical evidence at the scene non-existent. They collected the girl and surveyed the scene. They knew the search was over. They had to be sure they took fingerprints from the little girl they found at the creek. And then they had to wait. Oh shit, she did it to herself. It was suicide. <laughs> yeah. It was her black truck. <laughs> yeah. At about 1 a.m., cut an hour and a half after the discovery. The police had to go tell Donna and her parents they'd found a dead body of a little girl that matched the description of Amber. I don't want to ever have that fucking conversation with a police officer. That must have been fucking terrifying. No. Can you imagine what that did to her grandfather, Jimmy Cavill? <laughs> probably devastated him, dude. Uh, how's that? I don't care. It's just as disrespectful as what I said. What do you think I'm going to do? Admonish <laughs> you for it? Do we know what do we know what 78-year-old Cavell did for a living prior to machinist. assuming retiring? He's a machinist? Yeah. Yeah, that dude's shady as fuck. 
<laughs> yeah, he's Christian Bale from The Machinist. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't know if it was Amber at this point, so they had to wait till the morning to actually get the confirmation that it was Amber, which is fucking terrifying as well. Was it? Has it been a while? She was decomposed. It was about a day and a half. They think it was oh, twenty four so hours. Was just like mutilated. Yeah, Donna and Richard wanted to see Amber as soon as they heard that they had found her. The Tarrant County Medical Examiner, Dr. Kraus, Dr. I forget what his first name is, I have it further on. And the police told Donna and Richard that seeing Amber in her current state was probably not a good idea. They should probably wait to see Amber at the funeral home after uh, they do their magic with her. <laughs> what kind of magic are they going to do? Put her back together. That's fucking lame. If they can do magic, let's bring her back to life. That's true. <laughs> If you're going to do magic, go hard. Don't do this yeah. pussy magic. I got you. Cowards. Go big or go home. Yeah. I got you. That's why funeral homes aren't the coolest kids on the playground. Yeah. They just thought it'd be traumatizing, obviously, to see your daughter all fucked up. Uh, Richard and Donna went in anyway, but you'll see in a few seconds why the police were weary to let them. They identified Amber by using her thumbprint from her school safety card. I don't know if you guys did that as a kid. Did you guys ever put your thumbprint on like a thing for the police? No. I for sure did. No. It's a vague, fuzzy memory from being little. And the cops took fingerprints of me as a kid. Like, fuck, that seems like very shady. Very shady. You know what I mean? If I do anything shady as an adult, they already got them. Were you touched also? Mm -hmm. <laughs> All over the place. But I like that part because I got a lollipop after. I guess they, they only did it in areas where it was likely you would be fucking murdered. <laughs> I live in the fucking middle of nowhere. So yeah. Right. Perfect place to murder kids. Yeah. I actually, I lived off the highway. So if a transport or like a big ass truck wanted to pick me up in the 90s, they probably could have. Off the highway, they could dump your body at home. Exactly. Very nice of them if they did. Yeah. So a maintenance crew uh, at the apartment complex said that they'd been near that culvert earlier in the day and they hadn't seen anything suspicious at that time. So that leads credence to what I said earlier, that the fast moving water from the recent rainstorms could have moved her to that location, but it also could have been just moved there recently. Another weird thing about this case, minus the single sock on her foot, the rest of Amber's clothing was never found, like ever. Hmm. The medical examiner, Mark Krause performed the autopsy and discovered that her cause of death was from five different lacerations on her neck. The largest was an eight inch cut across the neck. So this guy just like slit her throat when he was done with her, I guess. I got curious about this Mark Krause guy. So I, I found an article from 2021 that says that Tarrant County medical examiner, Mark Krause has been recently suspended from the ME's office. During an audit, it was revealed that Krauss made 59 mistakes in 40 death investigations. Two of the mistakes were described as egregious. They had to audit this guy in November 2020 because he had misidentified a bullet wound as a surgical incision. And it made the police have to exhume the body to go like re-examine it. So they're like, wait, if that guy made that mistake, how many other mistakes has he made? Is Canada the same as America in that like your corners are not necessarily at all medically capable and that are just guys voted into office no they're not voted in but i don't know how much i believe that they're doctors yeah. they're full out yeah ours are not because when we had one here like the guy showed up and i was like oh shit you know you yeah because i thought the same thing that it was just some dude that showed up and was oh yeah to be fair to the Americans, it takes a real special kind of weirdo creep to want to pick apart the dead bodies all the time so let them get voted in you know 
that you're choosing that. Yeah, let him get voted in and make 800 mistakes over their career that could have defined the case one way or the other. No, I, I want you guys to know about this guy because maybe he made some mistakes. I don't know. They're saying that he's making mistakes now, so maybe he made some mistakes back then. I'm imagining they're going to be looking into the, I know they are. They're looking into a bunch of his cases. It's just, are they going to look into Amber Hagerman? I don't know. Yeah. Five uh, lacerations, you said, to her neck? Yeah. I also read an article that her injuries were so severe that she was almost decapitated. She got fucking OJ'd. Damn, dude. Maybe she was fucking, like, fighting hard. See, I don't know. It's kids, man. Like, at a certain point, if you're overpowered, how long are you going to fight before you just give up? I just, yesterday, my niece was over, and she's four, and she's the tiniest four-year-old you've ever seen. Like, she's the size of a two-year-old. Yeah. And uh, I... I, she was on a tantrum, so I, you know, I was like, okay, we're going to have to go upstairs. And I picked her up to bring her up the stairs of my house. And um, holy shit, there's like a bomb that goes off inside kids' bodies that the way she fought <laughs> made me feel wrong. Like I was... <laughs> I guess, but you're not like a real threat. Like you weigh maybe 20 pounds <laughs> You know, so she's just like, I could fight him off. Yeah, but dude, like when the last time she threw a tantrum, I got her pretty good with a right hook and it didn't put her down. But <laughs> normally I can fight back pretty well. I know what you're saying. Like kids are pretty tough. But I mean, if you know real danger versus like Uncle RJ danger, I think you might give up. Excuse me, sir. We could have phrased that a multitude of different ways. <laughs> I, fra- I phrased it the way I phrased it. You phrased it the way you wanted to phrase it. Yeah. Thanks. Don't, don't push that narrative on me just because I'm the coolest kid on the playground. <laughs> Jealous fuck. <laughs> coolest, okay. coolest, weakest kid on the playground. The decapitation part, I don't know how accurate that is. It might be an exaggeration because I didn't see the ME say that. But who knows with old Dr. Krause. Maybe it was. I don't fucking know. She could have been strangled for all I know with that numb nuts. You know, she might not have been stabbed at all. Well, like five cuts seems a little like extensive. It's still it's probably right. The reason I know that's probably right is because they didn't want her to go see the fucking daughter. They told her not to go see your kid. Uh, that's probably pretty gruesome, you know? Very true. But if you're going to kill a kid at all, like, do you really need five cuts? You're fucked up to begin with. If you're going to steal a kid in mid broad daylight, you're, you got some fucked up shit going on, right? Yeah. You got to be like everyone else, steal your kids at night. I think he needed <laughs> all five and, and he got lucky with just five. I think she was a tank. <laughs> I think you guys are, are shitting all over poor Amber here. I think she was fucking just a beast of a child. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She could have been. She's a little thick, little Texan girl. Dude, I, yeah, she's just like, come on, Ricky, we're going to go on down to the Windy XC and we're going to hit the ramp. And he's like, ooh, 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 Ricky, ooh. <laughs> she's like, see, Ricky, this is why you're a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Ricky. He probably lived this his whole life and blames himself. That's the best part. Exactly, dude. That survivor's <laughs> guilt is well earned. Yeah, that's right? that's the best part. If he had half the fucking moxie of Amber, the two of them could have fucking taken that dude down and then had him strung up in downtown Arlington shooting fucking BB guns at him by 6 p.m. Get him in the teeth. Yep. There was no evidence that Amber had been raped, but they couldn't rule out sexual assault. I've seen articles that say she was violently sexual assaulted multiple times. So I don't fucking know. The Emmy said there was no evidence. Like I said, Dr. Prouse. Not very reliable source. Yeah, there's probably lots of evidence of sexual assault. He just didn't check very well. 
the police did give out a lot of information, but they do say they have some trace evidence, which we'll talk about in a bit, that they haven't said what it is. It's the only holdback evidence that we know about. So I, it's got to be calm, but that's just my guess. Maybe Krauss was the one who was enjoying himself once he got a hold of her. It could be. Could be Krauss. Yeah, I got my theory lined up. <laughs> one of the most disgusting clues that Dr. Krauss brought forth in the autopsy was that Amber was dead no more than 24 hours after she'd been found in the creek. So if dummy Dr. Krauss is right, she suffered with this guy for like two days before he finally killed her. But we know time of death is just like coin flip. And it was by a shitty yeah. corner, right? They go by decomp, right? So like, you're not going to get it within like eight hours or whatever. You're going to get, I think 24 hours you can get because bugs start growing inside of you and shit at a certain point. Like they can get some, there's some milestone. Like, like fl- flies pour out of your mouth. Do you believe in like <laughs> 17th century spontaneous regeneration? <laughs> I don't know though. If, if they already talked about how this corner wasn't good and it was like a cold creek bed, I feel like it could have slowed down the yep. decomp a little right, bit. For sure. yeah. The other thing is that people were looking. Uh, she had zero food in her stomach. So this guy knew he was going to kill her. You know, he's it's premeditated, in my opinion. If you're just not going to feed her, you're going to kill. You're going to kill her, eventually. There's no evidence that she'd been tied up in any way. She'd been bound, uh, but did, she did have bruises on her body, from what I understand. Like I said, there's some holdback evidence that hasn't been revealed to the public yet. All the cops say is that it's trace evidence, but won't say what it is. After hearing the autopsy results, Donna and family were devastated. Obviously. Right away, the police hold a press conference and release a profile of the perpetrator. They described this crime as a crime of opportunity, and it was disorganized. The team of 15 investigators say that this man must have lived in Arlington or close to the area, very close to the area and very familiar with Arlington. The reasoning for this is that when Cavell saw the man drive off from the parking lot, Cavell says that he headed west towards downtown Arlington. Uh, If you're trying to escape with a little girl, you probably don't want to go downtown where there's a lot of people. If you would have went east, you would have hit like four major highways and you could have disappeared to anywhere. Uh, Police also say that he must have been from Arlington or Arlington adjacent because the creek that Amber was found in wasn't a place that you would accidentally stumble upon. You'd have to kind of know that existed to put a child down there. Like, it's not like you would just walk there. It's like in a random spot. And like, I get that. I live in a small town where there's places where you could just like, someone could never <laughs> find someone. I would know where it is because I live here. I get it. I look for spots to hide kids all the time, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's what I meant by that. God. But there is places like that. I understand that where you can't just stumble upon it. You'd have to know where it is. And it's like right in front of your face. And you'd be like, oh, as if this is here, you know? The profile also said that the murder probably had anger control issues and also probably had a hard time keeping a job. And he may have been set off by some sort of stressor that day happening in his real life. And this made him snap and do the thing he always wanted to do, which was kidnap a little girl, which obviously makes him a sexual predator or some sort. They don't think it was his first time doing this. It just would have been an escalation beyond what he'd already done in the past. And the fact that this guy kidnapped her in broad daylight, knew how to not get caught with her and disposed her body without getting caught. And the brutality of the murder is what pointed the profile in that direction. In fact, the profile points out that he probably would do it again if he had the chance. Okay, but how do you profile the fact that he he has a hard time keeping in a job with all that? I am not John Douglas. Well, um, 80% of Arlington, Texas was unemployed at that oh, time. So fuck. they really just opened up the pool to anyone that lived there. Oh, I just opened Google's fucking wormhole. Hey, okay. <laughs> 
No, I'm just kidding. I just made that up. So for people who are in Arlington, Texas right now, and they're offended, you guys still have jobs. Or you Plus, whatever. You're from Arlington, Texas. The <laughs> way they do this profiling is FBI profilers like John Douglas or whatever talked to so many predators and shit like that and figured out a lot of commonalities between serial killers and predators and stuff just by what they were doing. So if you're grabbing someone in broad daylight like that, you probably have anger issues. A lot of guys that would grab someone in daylight like that would have anger issues. Just like leaning off of odds, right? Just statistics. Okay. Okay. I was like, what form of evidence did they have that they could be like, oh, he doesn't have a job or he doesn't keep a job well? FBI profiling is actually very fucking accurate. It's grossly accurate. Disgusting how, how good they do a job. Most times. Sometimes they get it completely wrong, but a lot of the time they're pretty fucking bang on. So Amber's funeral is held on January 20th, surrounded by pink flowers while she held her little blue teddy bear. During the two weeks before Amber was found and after Donna's parents' house was kind of like their... Uh, headquarters for the whole tragedy the wfaa documentary began filming again in that house before and after the body was found police would relay information to the family there two weeks after the funeral is when donna goes back to her apartment and this is pretty rough part of the documentary richard's with her a lot but they're not back together i just i found that weird i had to look that up richard's holding her hand a lot but they're not back together the wfaa crew went with them and they got lots of shots of Donna sinking into a reality of Amber not being there because she hadn't been there for like two weeks or like four weeks, I guess. So they get there and it's like all Amber shit all over the place. It's, it's pretty fucking sad. And she has like a little mini breakdown in front of the crew. Donna and Ricky kept Amber's room the same for years after the murder. Ricky started to display some behavioral problems. So he had to go through a bunch of therapy and shit because he explained to his therapist that he was acting out because he felt he was like survivor's guilt, like you said. This is a five-year-old. Or was he just jealous that he wasn't cute enough to be taken? Mm, mm. That's that's true. That could be it. Maybe I'll see if I can interview him. He's still around. I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I wouldn't. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> I'm joking. Yeah, Donna's grieving and has to deal with Ricky being problematic. The community of Arlington gets behind her in every way possible. Barry Elementary, uh, where Amber goes to school, they renamed the park after Amber. They call it Amber's Park. Ha <laughs> ha Not anymore. <laughs> we all know who runs that fucking park now <laughs> the uh, rj's park yeah that's right sir <laughs> when they uh go to do the unveiling of the park i guess donna gets word that amber's classmates are being like really affected by the death and they're asking a lot of questions so donna goes to the school in the documentary and to answer questions about amber's murder and to like comfort the kids and help them understand something they should probably not have to understand uh, and the, the kids ask some pretty fucking tough questions, but I think Donna handles them pretty well. But Donna's getting pretty shaken up, so the kids start to notice that, and they, like, swap roles. and like, you look very pretty today, Mrs. Mrs. A- uh, Donna. Like, just kind of switch roles. It's a pretty sweet part of the movie, the documentary. Donna only takes two weeks off after the death of her daughter and continues her studies to graduate eventually to, as the medical assistant. So WFAA, Pam Curry, John Doty, and Paul Pariso keep filming and get shit tons of footage. They decided to use the footage from before Amber's death and the footage from after Amber's death to make a one hour long documentary that played on television. It was called After Amber and it was a huge source for today's episode. I'm not going to lie. I cried a lot during that. There's part where I was fucking bawling. It was very sad. January 13th, 1997. After Amber airs on WFAA, so one year exactly after, I have a nine-year-old daughter, 
who I let play outside by herself. Scratch that. I do have a nine-year-old daughter that I used to let play outside by herself. After Amber is a super unique documentary because it lets you get to see Amber when she's alive and full of joy, but it also gets to see Donna and Amber's abduction after the abduction and eventual death. So the saddest true crime documentary I've ever seen, fucking bad one. Amber's kidnapping and eventual murder was a huge story. I told you it eventually went international. It was good to get the word out about Amber, but it also terrified everyone. Parents in Arlington were scared of letting their kids go out on the streets. I would imagine many Nintendos were sold during that time. You are now an indoor kid. That sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I would fuck. Oh, my God. You know how grateful I'd be that Amber was dead? To finally get a Super Nintendo? Well, just like to be told, don't go outside anymore. Idiot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so instead of wallowing in, in her grief, Donna decides to use her grief to try and toughen laws against child sex offenders. Uh, with all the national attention this case was getting... Donna used that to message toughening laws. So she founded the group called People Against Sex Offenders, or PASO. Amber's father, Richard, headed up the entire operation. Their goal is to pressure Texas lawmakers into making tougher laws against sex offenders, particularly the ones that target little kids. It didn't take long for PASO to get loads of supporters. But like, as if that's like a no-brainer. I imagine being the guy who's like, I, I, I'm for sex offenders, so... Sorry, I can't help your group out. I'm not signing any petitions for you. I'm, I'm not against them. Paso helped pen what ended up being called the Amber Hagerman Child Protection Bill, which basically started the National Sex Offender Database. Donna and Richard testified in front of Congress to get this passed. Richard wearing a fucking ball cap in Congress, which I found hilarious. That's awesome. This is June 1996, so this isn't even like six months after Amber's... It's about six months after the murder of Amber. So they're pushing hard. They're using the media to their advantage. The bill was signed into law by Bill Clinton in October 1996, while Donna and Richard stood beside him. Then she brags in the documentary that she's like, Bill Clinton gave me this pen that he signed the document with. So like he gives her the pen. Good. He didn't give her the cigar. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, that's cool. (laughs) They're just, you know, because your daughter was dead by sexual assault to be, uh, honored by a sexual assaulter yeah it's an interesting dynamic but she got a pen pen. she got a pen that's the difference and she got a national sex offender registry out of the deal too yeah while don and richard were focused on paso the arlington community was still in fear for their kids so amber was also doing work to help kids elsewhere at the very same time and donna didn't even know it until after so donna simone a massage therapist from a nearby fort worth and parent heard amber's story she thinks to herself that if people of Arlington heard the story right away, they would have been able on the lookout for a black truck or a little girl. They already had a national alert system for like natural disasters or nuclear threats or something like that. That time, the alerts would just like stop all TV and radio programming and alert the general public about whatever was going on. So Diana wanted to alert to be heard if there was a missing child in the area, which is kind of a no brainer, but like no one had thought of it yet. This Diana Simone thought of it. January 19th, so this is the day before Amber's funeral, Diana called the local radio station and pitched the idea to the radio station manager. She also wrote a letter outlining her idea. That letter was also printed in the Fort Worth newspaper. Her letter basically laid out the idea where the National Earth System could be used in the same way it would be used for an earthquake or hurricane or whatever after a verified 911 call was placed about a missing child. That way, people would know that there was a problem right away instead of having to wait for the evening news to hear about it. Uh, By then, it could be too late. 
So she basically invented the Amber Alert system without knowing it yet. Wow. One woman was responsible for when your phone gets taken over for three seconds by something fairly annoying. (laughs) Villain. In her plan, she asked if she could call it Amber's plan. So she kind of even named it too. Uh, They went with Amber Alert. Sorry, Dinah. The radio station backed the idea and brought it to other radio stations and television stations. They, as a collective group, loved the idea and brought it to the police to figure out if this plan could be implemented. And if so, how would they go about getting something like that done? I just find it all interesting that all the media outlets even petitioned the police for this. It wasn't the opposite. You know what I mean? It wasn't like the police going to the media being like, this is what we're going to do. It was the media going to the police like, can we do this? I find that a very interesting thing to me. I don't know. Police are stupid. That's true. Yeah, I don't I don't find that interesting at all because that's hey. happening today. They're like, hey, not killing people indiscriminately. Can we please do this? And there the cops go. are like, but I was just thinking more on the way that it's interesting that this seems like a way to lighten the cops load. You know what I mean? Make everybody else find the kid. Then you don't have to do anything. Yeah, but there's a reason that all cops are just high school jocks that like, you know, suck. Yeah, they thought they were going to make the NHL. It's not like it's all up there. They didn't get in there based on their smarts. Yeah, as much as it hurts to admit, they are overburdened. I mean, their smooth brains can only handle so much information (laughs) and tactile interaction with the world at once. So it is, it's a good point. I mean, whatever we can do to lighten their load, help those, those poor fellas. (laughs) The two criteria, the radio stations and, uh, and this little group set out for the initiative were that for the alarm to be set off, the missing child has to be under 17. And the police had to think that the child was under threat of violence or death. And if the 911 call fell under both those two criteria, all of the child's info would be sent to the major radio stations and television stations who agreed to be part of the program. And then the participating media outlets would then interrupt programming, give out the alert of the missing child. So basically what we have now. What kind of info are we relaying? Age, age, height, photograph, where the last scene, what they're looking for. Mm. Their favorite snack. Favorite yeah. snack. <laughs> yeah, it kind of starts to sound like a dating ad, if you ask me. <laughs> So, like, if if the kid just ran away and then, you know, all the fucking orange dots in your neighborhood go, woo, (laughs) be on the lookout, fellas. Oh, God, that's very scary. Ooh, there's the Ember Alert program just helping pedophiles get there first. Yeah, yeah. it's my turn. Oh, wow. And then you you just see like the like the sex offender map just like is like a radar thing where it just keeps going like. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. You have the Amber Alert system and the the Ricky early warning system. (laughs) Let's not call it Ricky. Let's uh, let's move away from Ricky. RJ, let's do that. By 1997. That's a different. No, doing an RJ is a different thing. <laughs> yeah, it's shit between <laughs> someone's legs. I remember now. By 1997, the, Am- the Dallas Amber Plan was enacted and the first iteration of the Amber Alert was born. It wasn't a national program yet, only being used in North Texas. In 1998 was when the first success story of the Amber- uh, Dallas Amber Plan came to be. An eight-week-old girl named Rayleigh Bradbury was kidnapped by her babysitter in Arlington, and the plan worked like a charm. The babysitter was caught within 90 minutes of the Amber Alert being sent over the airways, or the alert, I guess. It's not an Amber Alert yet. Proving that the Dallas Amber Plan was worthwhile doing. After seeing the success, the Dallas Amber Plan was brought to the national level, backed by John Walsh and his NCMEC, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. That's America's most wanted John Walsh, whose kid 
was also kidnapped and murdered uh, a couple of years prior to this. I think it was about 10 years, actually. They found a fucking skull. I mean, like, if, but like, if you're going to have like a dead kid, what a dope souvenir to have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And if anything, that's what I would want. Yeah, yeah. 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 You just put it on like top of like a staff or something and then they show it to people. <laughs> Look, I never over. dropped him. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's been an advocate for helping improve law enforcement, finding missing children. So he he thought the idea was great. He brought it to the national attention after it spread nationally through Mr. Walsh and the NCMEC. It was renamed the Amber Alert System, and now it's been adopted by many countries around the world. 27 different countries, actually. And most of these countries work together when fi- a missing child's thought to cross over the border. So there's a lot of helping each other. Like if, if a kid near the Canadian border goes into America, they'll talk to each other and help each other out. The Amber and Amber Alert is actually a backronym. This is something I just learned about a backronym. You know what a backronym is? Yeah, I didn't know it was it was one of those, though. Yeah, backronym for people who don't know, it's when you make an acronym out of like, you know, an acronym is just like the first letters of something is like. And then it has yeah. a meaning. Well, they just took Amber's name and made a meaning for it. So it stands for America's Missing Broadcast Emergency Response System or uh, Alert yeah. System. So Amber is a backronym, which is a fun word. Yeah, uh, we, we already covered that in the Santa episode. Oh, yeah, Santa. That's right. We made, we made an awesome acronym. I haven't done editing yet. That'll be tonight. So, yeah, if the Amber Alert system was around when Amber went missing, who knows if someone could have called in a tip. So it's sad that Amber had to die for this. But thank you, I guess. I appreciate your sacrifice. <laughs> uh, it would have been someone. If it wasn't her, it would have been someone. And yeah. Well, you know what's even better is how all those fucking kids got uh, shot to death in Uvalde, and now Texas really paved the way by getting rid of all of the guns in America. Mm. Really cool how that happened, too. Yeah, that didn't double down, probably, actually. They probably didn't just buy more guns. Let's see, we're safer. It's really nice how people really band together in times of crisis like that. As of April 2020, 1,029 kids have been saved as a result of the public tip from the Amber Alert system. How many have not? Probably a lot more, but there's, they don't they don't advertise that one. They don't advertise the that. The ratio's kind of off. They don't advertise that number. I, I forget what the number was. I think like one in three Amber Alerts end up being no tips because the parents just bring them home. Like I think a third of them end up being, and then a lot of them get saved, but then the Amber Alert does nothing for the other ones. It's like... Not death, but like the cops do something. It's not the tips from the ambulance that do something, you know. But I forget there was no real. I lo- that was my first question too. I was like, how many not? I couldn't find the number anywhere. So, but yeah. they did have an update in this case on January thirteenth, twenty twenty one. So two years ago to the day today, uh, twenty five years after her disappearance, they had a press conference. So basically, the police released a bunch of evidence from the case, like a detailed timeline of the crime, a map where she was found, a photo of the bikes, more photos of her. Uh, the officers say that they still get tips to this day and they want more. So this means it's pretty weak update if they're still asking for tips, if you ask me. They're really no closer than they were 25 years ago. But if you remember anything, they insist you call. The way p- the press conference went, the police think that someone was in the laundromat that day. They're really focusing on the laundromat. They think that someone was undocumented might have seen something. And they say, if you're scared to come forward because you're an undocumented person, we're not, we don't care about your immigration status. Just come Mm, forward. Yeah, I feel like Texas has pulled that one before. I feel like (laughs) I wouldn't trust the... Fool me once, Texas. (laughs) Can I say, I was involved in a missing person's case. Oh, were you? (laughs) Well, I had to be. I didn't have a choice. But... but, (laughs) 
the hardest part of that whole fucking thing was that the cops, anyone, the family members, everyone would ask me, when was the last time you seen him? And I was like, dude, I seen him every day. Like he's outside all the time, whatever. Like I don't pay attention to when I do see him and when I don't. So it really bothers me now after being through that. When I hear about these missing persons case and everything, they're like, anything you remember, anything. And you're like, listen, if you go to that laundromat every fucking day of your life, you're not going to remember who was there each and every day. You're not going to remember on Wednesday at two o'clock, there was a guy who had a beard. I feel like that your neighbor- They just wanted you to say the skin color that they were looking for. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying- Just say he's black. (laughs) Did you remember something- remember I, I agree with you to a point but this one here was like amber hagerman was a huge case at the time right it's not the same as the guy who disappeared next door to you with a fucking four-wheeler into the bush no one cared true it, it didn't get national attention but then when you think about it like when you went to the convenience store the other day who was in the convenience store i didn't go to the convenience store the other day but that like or the grocery store who did you pass in the grocery store the other day no, you don't I fucking agree. remember I, because I unless there was something that like stuck out i agree i agree you feel like they knew where everything was right so like if you were in the area where a little kid went missing earlier that afternoon you would give as much informational as possible that's what i mean you would you would have a versus like you see the guy walking outside of his house every that's different that's not maybe it's the same i i just i feel like i could pull better memories if i knew that i was in that exact spot during that time because i'd have to come up with an alibi <laughs> with a face <laughs> like that yes <laughs> well when the cops say that it really reads like we don't care that you were stealing something from the 7-eleven like you know what i mean like <laughs> just tell us like it's not important right now like that's that's the same thing with the undocumented no you know what i mean but they can't say hey it's all right if you were you know uh walking out of lowe's with two garden hoses you didn't pay for we're not gonna arrest you today for that we'll figure out this other thing but we'll remember yeah exactly <laughs> if, if you remember something we also remember stuff but yeah. if you do well we first. remember better because we write it down and record <laughs> so if you say you're undocumented i'm not going to come get you today ICE will get you next month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they say, don't worry if you're undocumented, just come to see us. They also did the press conference. I thought it was funny. They did it near the old ramp, the Windipsy parking lot where they uh, have the big mural behind her. It's just a little weird of a place to do it, in my opinion. They better have painted her fucking doing a sick flip on the bike off the ramp. They call her Arlington's little angel. and It's just her face with like a halo That's around it. Fucking lame. Yeah, it is. They should have done a fucking, you're right. They should have done a spin move her up there. Yeah, just like flames coming off her tires. Yeah. Yeah, it's sick. That would have been wicked. They should add her as a character in like Tony Hawk game. Oh, that is an excellent fucking tribute. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. She got just wings. listening to early 2000s ska and doing like fucking grinds as Amber. <laughs> All right. That's some dope shit. Pro to having children, they bring you random snacks. There you go. Um, that looked like a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Okay. I don't know where they get these snacks. Okay. Donna was there. Fucking anything a kid found. Amber's Amber's mom was at the press conference and she just did the typical thing, like telling the killer to come forward. She's like, I'm not going anywhere. So she kind of threatened him, which I liked. She's like, You better just come forward because I'm not going anywhere. I, I was like, that's a good threat, you know? 
They also said that there's a $10,000 reward if you have any tips, which I find kind of low because when Amber was first missing, it was $75,000 in 1994 money. So like they've knocked down that fucking. Uh... Well, the value of the information has dropped significantly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not, there's not a whole lot of return left on that investment. The only real thing that they brought forward that was a little bit new is that they started talking about the trace evidence. So they said, that's all that we still have the trace evidence. And they alluded to the fact that there's new ways of getting DNA profiles, like higher, better technology nowadays. So they haven't said what the trace evidence is. I'm back to the cum thing because they're saying that it's literally the only physical evidence they have. They're going to send that off to the FBI to get analyzed again, or so maybe get a profile and then do like genetic genealogy. You know how they've been doing solving crimes that way lately. So they may find their killer that way, but that was supposed to be done in February, 2021. And they, I haven't seen any results from that. We're almost 2023 now. So maybe it's just logged back in the system because it's a new technique. Maybe there's so much they're like prioritizing it in ways. I don't know. You know that I won't do ancestry DNA now because of you guys, right? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're well aware of that. Like, I really want to know what my heritage is and everything like that, but I'm too afraid that like my dad's going to suddenly get locked up. So I'm just like, no. I'm glad no, people I'm listen listen to my fully coherent legal <laughs> advice. Nothing else would have compelled me. That was the one thing that I I was pressured hard on. I said, "Do not." And I think Richard was like, "No, you can do it. Just do it. Don't be a pussy. No, go don't get do it. go get it. Don't Marie. do It'll it. Be fine. Don't do it." Yeah, they said by February 2022 they'd be giving the evidence to the FBI lab to get it analyzed. No updates beyond that. But since this is written so far in advance, it will probably come out the day of the anniversary. By the time we put this public, it, they'll have an update. That's what happens every fucking time. So that's what I'm thinking is going to happen. I can feel the f- theories coming. Jimmy Cavill, Grandpa Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Cavill, died in 2016 at the age of 98, just so you know. Uh, he was a World War II veteran. I'll also give you that. So maybe there's some PTSD in there. Okay, I'll give you that. There have been 5,500 leads cleared between 1996 and 1997. Uh, there's been 7,000 leads cleared since then. So those are all the facts of the case, basically. So there's only one real theory, and that's like a stranger took Amber. They think maybe someone was like stalking them at Burger King earlier in the day, or it's that guy that was in the parking lot. with the, Obviously, it's a guy, somebody in the parking lot, but it could have been that guy that at laundromat or not. Uh, but it's just a stranger. Did a killer stalk them? I don't know. It's the whole, this whole episode is just the stranger. So is that a probable theory? Just some random that we'll never know until they catch them with DNA. That's theory one. Mm-mm. Nope. I don't think it's a real stranger. I think I have my own real theory here. You think it's a fake stranger? No, I think it's not a stranger at all. Might not be true. What do you got, Ricky? I'll go through my couple things. What do you got? I know Rick's got something. Yeah, I don't know. The location of the kidnapping is weird to me. I just out of everywhere to do it. I know they said that there was like a, an abandoned uh, grocery store, but there was a, like a lot of other things going on, like hustle and bustle in the area, at least for like a small town. Um, if I had to guess, honestly, I think the old man doesn't know what the fuck he saw. Nothing to him. I don't think he did it, um, but I think someone accidentally ran into the girl with the truck and there was no like yelling kicking or screaming it was like she died at the scene he freaked the fuck out grabbed her through in the truck left the bike there and that was that and some like later and dumped the body. Throat seven times slit yeah throat five yeah. times and- i don't think i don't i don't know if i buy this like premeditated follower around and grab her at a random fucking parking lot thing because it just the way it sounded 
there would have been so many other opportunities before that moment to do it. I don't think it's premeditated. I, if it's a stranger, I don't think it's premeditated. I think it's crime of opportunity, like they said. Some guy just saw a little girl by himself and he finally just snapped and did it. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. I mean, it's this is one of those things where it's like, you know, hard to know. And I don't know. I, I don't. One of two things are in my mind. Either the old man has no idea what the fuck he saw. Because like just throwing random things out there does, I, I don't know. It it feels weird, or he was somehow in on it. I, I put him down as a theory. I didn't really write anything down because he's a seventy eight year old man. He's a war vet, and you don't want to. Yeah, I mean he's dead now, so you can well, talk no, shit on him all you want. I don't care. I'll talk shit <laughs> on war vets that are douchebags, but he doesn't seem like a douchebag. He called nine one one right away. Within you figure, if you were the guy, you'd, you'd let it cool for like ten minutes. Yeah, but dude, like seven seventy eight year olds love to call nine one one. That's true. That's true. That's true. There's no party going on at three o'clock in the afternoon. So yeah, I do have to wait for six to get my 911 call in. Yeah. Do you know what it feels like when your heart goes from seven to 19 beats per minute? <laughs> that that rush that you feel? Oh, I got my cognizance back. I can see. Yeah. Okay. My cognizance back. Right now we're just with stranger. Do you have any other theories about the people that we talked about? Anybody else have any ideas? Bree, you got any ideas? Okay. So my theory... I don't know how great this is, but you said the old man, he's got world war vet, right? Yeah. So he's got PTSD. So he just like Astro projected himself and basically just called the cops on himself because he's the one who took her and did everything, which is why they couldn't find anything else because they were at the laundromat for 45 minutes or whatever. But really, that was just him just making shit up. You think up. he ran over there, slit her throat, thinking she he was a that was a Chinese soldier, like a like a, a Korean soldier. Well, just... you see, I don't think he slit her throat right then and there, right? Okay. Because if he's a war vet, he's gonna take her back, and she's gonna be a prisoner of war, right? And so they've got to go through the motions. Like, there's a whole list of things you got to do before you get to that part. What I want to know is why is everyone calling this dude Jimmy Kevil? His name is Uri. His middle name is Jimmy. What are we do? What are we doing here? Letting this guy off the fucking hook. His name well, is his friends call him Grandpa, but apparently Richard <laughs> does not want to be friends with him. <laughs> what do you got, RJ? All right. So I don't. I don't think. Before uh, stop. Before before we go. Okay. Is this going to be outrageous? And should I just do some ones that are less outrageous first? Sir, you can't ask me that and ruin my <laughs> jokes before I tell them. Okay. Can I go? I don't okay. know. <laughs> Okay, I have a couple people I threw up. Film crew, okay? One of those, like, filming guys, a little creepy. He saw the little girl maybe getting changed one day. And he's like, ooh, and he starts falling around. And then Pam Curry, or maybe it's just Pam Curry for ratings. You know, Pam Curry's like, if we kill this little girl now, our documentary is going to be the saddest documentary ever made. Success. That's awesome. She's Jake Gyllenhaal from Nightcrawler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's my Nightcrawler theory is what I wrote. <laughs> Did you? Yeah. Dude, I love that fucking movie. <laughs> so she went and killed the little girl and then hit her and then planted it, like, right? Killed the little, like, kidnapped her and then called her back and went, like, Donna, we should film you, you know? And then just, like, got herself involved in it and then waited three days to get a lot of good, like, angles and camera shit like that. Like, good, good setups. And then this is where the kid is. And then they wait. They'll find him eventually just to set up a good documentary. Pam Curry and friends, the Nightcrawler theory. What do you think of that? Love it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> decent. It. Decent. Okay. Yeah. Other theory is that Stuart Coker, Coacher, Coker. Uh, we got to talk okay. about him. That's the guy that found the body. 
Oh, I have some I have some visual aids that we can show you. This guy's creepy as fuck. This guy, the founder, and he might have something to do with it. Just let me share my screen here. There's two there's two clips of this guy that I have on a Saturday afternoon. Donna takes her parents, sister and a friend to the creek where Amber was found. There they meet Stuart Coker, the man who discovered her body. He's haunted at being thrust into their tragedy. He had been walking his dog when he made the gruesome discovery. I saw Amber's body lying, lying in the water. And uh, I knew, I knew what it was right away. And so you can see it just kind of weaves around like this. Now, weeks later, Coker is still consumed by the tragedy. For me, I can't, I can't get the vision out of my mind. I can't believe that somebody did something like this. I mean, I come down here and I stand and, and I cry. He and his family return again and again to the creek behind their apartment. They walk the banks and rake the creek bottom, a desperate attempt to find evidence and answers. It was a tragic thing, and uh, unfortunately, there's no explanation for any of it. Stuart Coker never met Amber Hagerman, but somehow he feels he knows her. She was such a, a lively young, young lady, and uh, she certainly was cute. There's no doubt about that. She's a pretty little girl. Okay. Jesus oh. fucking Christ. Holy He's the fuck. suspect. He's the new suspect. Yeah. That's all I needed to see. Yeah, that guy. Thank you. Why yeah. did they arrest this guy? I was watching this. I'm like, Pam Curry, you let this guy go through the cracks. Here's another oh clip of this God. guy later on in the documentary. Stuart Coker, the man who found her body, relives the crime every day. His family makes pink ribbons for each month. There's no arrest, the bathroom with which lotion. he considers intolerable. Nobody right? should be able to get away with this. And to think that, that somewhere out there, someone knows this individual, and they have not come forward after yeah, six months. Yeah, because it's you. I can't grasp that. It's you, you fucking creepy God, asshole. It's it. you, you creepy asshole. Holy. I'm sorry. I, I, if this guy's been checked out by the police, I'm sorry. Maybe you have an What's alibi. What's this dude's name? Stuart, Stuart Kosher, Coker, C-K-O-C-H-E-R. Okay, because, like, my mom was involved with, like, finding a dead body and stuff like that. She never fucking went back to the scene. Yeah, visits it every day. To be like, huh, I wonder if there's more shit. Oh, yeah, he's raking to find evidence, not to fucking make sure that nobody ever finds his. Yeah, yeah. Like, she was like, I want to stay Jesus as far away from Christ. that place as possible. And I was like, you know what? I, I get it. She was a lively girl. So cute. Like, what the fuck, dude? I go back there every day and cry because you killed a little girl, you psycho. Right. Yeah, that's gross. Legit. If this guy got checked out and he's, his alibis are good, let's recheck his alibis. That's all I'm saying. Right. Let's go back and recircle around on fucking samples? Stuart Coker. For every child murder ever. Right. Exactly. That he's, uh, he's prime suspect for all of them. And the weird look on his face when he was doing it too, when he was like, she was a cute little girl and I'm creepy. Like, I get it, dude. Like, but this is this, like, here's my thing though. You think the police talk to this guy and they're like, Oh no, he drives a blue truck or something. And they just immediately believe the 78 year old war vet. And it was just I like, agree. if it didn't match the evidence, well, it, it was not there. His brother was probably the fucking comp troller or something stupid like that. Yeah. We yeah. got to circle around. I'm just saying police. If you're listening to this, you got to circle around to that guy just to make sure, because I know police are corrupt as fuck and you could be right. RJ he's related to like, he, he has a cowboy hat. He hangs out at the cop bar. Who the fuck knows? Right. 
Yeah. So that's my theory is actually that guy. And nobody's looked into him enough. And just by the fucking, what, 30 seconds of footage that I saw of this guy, I'm convinced. Uh, I yeah. could be wrong, though. <laughs> what was really weird was when he started talking about her, he was doing like, I don't know if you saw like the chin thrust. That's usually like, a, now I don't know if he has like a tick. But that's normally like a sign of aggressive anger. Oh, damn. Rick, Rick is mentalisting him. No, I'm just <laughs> saying, I, you can't see a lot. When he talks, you can't see him a lot of it. But if you watch him, he like does the, the chin thrust at the end there. You're awesome. not wrong. Awesome. But those are my two theories. That Those are the Ooh, three theories. Okay. So that's it for me. That's a good fucking theory. Yeah, it's damn. pretty good. I believe fully that guy did it. <laughs> All right, so we're not going to go Unless. <laughs> unless. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> unless, of course, I'm correct. And I and as I look at these pictures of Amber's face, I notice that the description of, of, of her physical features seems off. Like, I see that face, and I'm like, oh, that's connected to, like, a, a six-foot-four, six-foot-five body, buck 75, 200. And, uh, and I think that Amber was not the victim. I think that she was doing sweet tricks on that ramp and, uh, and, and just fucking tearing it up. And some little shit heel from the laundromat started ragging on her saying like, oh, you're, you're, you're bum. You suck. And she's like, what the fuck did you say? And just zoomed her bike over to him and threw herself off of it and like, and like back through herself with her elbow into his truck. And then and then drove away with that guy. And uh, and honestly, circumstantially, he got her after two days of being tortured. He was able to finally take her down in self-defense. So this is just a case of self-defense. Okay. Yeah. yeah, dude. Yeah. You can't look at that face and tell me that's not a powerhouse of an individual. <laughs> aggressive right yeah Stuart coker can come forward and admit that he did it because we all know it's self-defense you, you yeah dude okay right she was an aggressive little girl what are you gonna do she's got anger issues he doesn't know and that's why all those notes are for him they're like just if you remember anything you know like don't worry it'll be fine and he's like no it won't be i can't <laughs> so he goes back there every day because he's like this is where i earned my freedom so he has ptsd yes yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I'm going to say dealer's choice on this. Bree, you're the one who's paying. Where's the money, Bree? Before you. uh... Okay. So this is a version of a gold doubloon. (laughs) Oh, you bitch. We fuck it. We got fooled by that again. It's my fault, guys. You guys got one of the snacks your kid was hiding in his diapers and and delivered to you. (laughs) Yeah. Is that a a pissed chocolate? Oh, mm. We've been paid in worse. Yeah, I think. <laughs> mm, um, it's nutty. It's nutty. Try one, RJ. It's good. I'm good. Thank you. I'll, I'll watch it come out through my legs later. RJ, can you just put that douche flute back in your mouth just one more time for me? No, I'm good. I don't know. I don't do anything. <laughs> I don't do what I'm told. You don't get to be the coolest kid on the playground by following rules. I just watched Private Dicks, and I think RJ's the funniest. What? Come on! Hey there, all you private dickheads. That's probably not the name we're going to stick with. Anyways, uh, RJ here. I am here to tell you thank you for listening to another episode of Private Dicks. If you liked what you heard, go on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere they take your reviews, drop us five stars, say something nice. Also, what you just heard was from last season. If you want current episodes as they're dropped, head on over to patreon.com and search up Unethical Podcast. 
That's our mother podcast. I was not aware Private Dicks was a spinoff. I'm going to renegotiate my contract. On Patreon is a full 16-episode season more of Private Dicks, uncut videos of each episode, and many more things are getting added all the time. You can also find all of Unethical's content on there, so go listen to that. And if you're already a patron, fuck yeah, dude. You're the best. Thank you.